This is an ABC podcast. On the ABC Listen app, your smart speaker, and on AM radio. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. It's been 50 years since the Whitlam government launched community health in Australia. It started out as a way for the community to be able to respond to their own health needs. And never has that been more important than now. But community health leaders, they want to broaden out, they want to upscale what they already do, arguing that there is untapped potential for community health to tackle some of our biggest health challenges and inequities. Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host this morning, Bronwyn O'Shea, joining you from ABC Wodonga. Bron, no one knows their community more than they do, especially when it comes to health. And community health leaders, they want to do more. They sure do. And we all know that saying, don't we? Prevention is better than cure. And that's so much of what community health is all about. So they're wanting to really redesign Victoria's Mm. health system so that the focus is more on health rather than illness. So they're talking about things like scaling up pharma health checks, tackling ageism, amplifying regional LGBTIQA plus voices, getting more mental health Mm. support into schools, community paramedics, even tackling vaping, you name it. Um, And they really want the government to listen and partner with them to make sure that every community in Victoria has a health response that is kind of tailor-made for them. So today we have community health leaders from all across Victoria. They're going to talk to us today about their ideas, how they believe they can help improve the health of their community. So do we undervalue community health? If it was recognised, if it was funded more, what impact would it make on our already stretched health services? Is the solution staring us right in the face? On the ABC Listen app, your smart speaker and on AM radio. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Good morning, Rochelle Hunt here with you. And Melbourne Broman O'Shea, your co-host this morning, joining you from ABC Wodonga. And I feel like there isn't a part of Victoria where we don't have a representative today, Bron. We have community health leaders dotted all across Victoria today, from the Grampians, Gippsland, from Bendigo to Mildura, because we're looking at community health. It's hard to believe 50 years since it was introduced by the Whitlam government. But it's very easy to say community health, right? But what does it actually mean? Like what does it look like? Do you access it? Do you do you use it? Do you utilize it in some way? And if you do, do you even know that it's a part of the community health model? It's funny you should say that because I was thinking, oh yeah, community health. I would have driven past the buildings before. And then I thought, no, you idiot. You've had two babies. Child and maternal health nurses are through community health. So, of course, I've engaged with community health in in my lifetime and probably in many Mm. more ways as well. And it's it's more than that as well. I mean, when we look at broadening out into community paramedics, which is something that we're going to look at today, but I feel like more than ever before, we're talking about as a society, preventative health and what Mm. that really means and what it could potentially save us as a society, as an entire state. But when we talk about tailored community responses, you just have to look at what this state has been through over the last week or so. We've had disasters on everything from extreme storms, catastrophic fires, we've had rain, we've had flooding. 
each of those communities is going to need a health response that is different to another part of the state. So we need the community to be in control of their own responses to make sure it's what they need. Yeah, and I guess the whole approach or the whole philosophy is that if we can get the prevention right and if we can support people and support their health before it becomes a big problem, that's going to make things easier at the GP end, at the ambulance end, Mm. at the emergency department end. Um, And we know, we hear in the headlines all the time, how stretched those parts of our health sector are. Mandy Hutchinson is the CEO of the Bendigo Community Health Service and joins us from our Bendigo studios. And Darren Midgley is the CEO of the Sunraysia Community Health and joins us from our Mildura studios. A warm welcome to the both of you. Mandy, let's start with you. You've worked in health for a really long time, now based in beautiful Bendigo. What is community health? Like, if you had to define it, if you're in your 30-second elevator pitch, what is it? Oh, community health, thanks, Rochelle. Um, And it's lovely to be here with you this morning. But community health is all about community. Um, It's about, it's a a set of services that reflect the needs of the community uh, and really tries to address um, any health inequities um, so that community wellbeing is in improved I suppose Um, but it's so connected to community and it's all about um, you know offering services that make a difference. So Mandy does that mean if we walked into the community health service in in one neighbourhood or one part of the state compared to another that we would see quite a different mix of, of things on offer there of programs and services? Yes, you would. Um, so I'm I'm now at Bendigo uh, Community Health Services. I'm very excited to be here. Um, before that, I was at Northern District Community Health, based up in uh, Kerrang. And the service uh, services are really quite different. Um, for example, in Kerrang, um, we've been focusing really on. Um, some of the things you mentioned before, you know, some agri-safe, you know, looking after farm health, uh, looking after um, our community with primary care and innovative models around nurse practitioners, for example. Um, and in Bendigo, we've fan- got a fantastic suite of services that support um, settlement um, and refugee communities. Um, we've got an amazing sexual and reproductive health service. Uh, and you know, so there's some similarities across the services, but they are very much about the community that you're in at the time. Before we have a chat to Darren, Mandy, let's go to Kerrang. I know you're in Bendigo at the moment, but if we go to Kerrang and some of the work that was needed to be done there, I mean, the point, you couldn't get a GP there for so long to the point where you came up with a really creative (laughs) song and online performance in order to try and persuade a (laughs) GP to come there. You also had a horrific train crash in that area and would have needed specific tailored responses to that community. Did you see changes in the time that you were at Kerrang? Definitely, yeah. We we uh, we worked really hard to sort of get GPs for a start into the community, which we did do with a bit of a song, which was um, which was a great response. But it did more than that. It really focused, um, I think, attention on the fact that um, recruiting GPs is really really challenging, uh, and it's sort of you know, created this beautiful body of work around how can we create a better, more robust primary care system uh, that's uh, a multidisciplinary kind of uh, approach and we've actually just received some funding um, or Northern District have, I say we I still feel like I'm part of it um, that, uh, you know, to sort of invest in a model that 
uh, is sort of being led a, a nurse-led model, nurse practitioners. And then the other thing, as you said, around uh, the, the train accident, but that also we've had so many floods um, in Kerrang and around that area. Um, you know, we really are uh, needing a sort of workforce that's very agile and trauma-informed to support our community and to build resilience between all these events. So um, I think um, we've been trying the community resilience and recovery model, which we're going to talk a bit more about, I think, as the conversation now continues, um, about how we can um, be agile and support our communities, but also not burn out our community and our people um, so that we can really provide really great um, perfect sort of services for the community when they need it the most. Darren Midgley, the CEO of Sunraysia Community Health, is also joining you from our Mildura studios. Darren, you moved from aged care into community health. What made you sort of switch into this area of work? Uh, thanks for having us on this morning. Aged care, I guess, is, has been my life for, for 14 years, but I've always had a passion for community health and, and for improving health outcomes within our community and have, have worked uh, in community health previously, uh, earlier in my career, in drug and alcohol and, and district nursing, palliative care. So uh, community health is not something strange to me. It's something I've always had a deep passion for and belief in. What are some of the big challenges, tricky health problems that Sunraysia Community Health is, is sort of trying to address and develop programs for at the moment? Well, there's a number of challenges, I guess, in community health and in particular for rural and regional areas where attracting a skilled workforce uh, is probably one of our biggest issues, uh, particularly for Sunraysia Community Health. Uh, our biggest issues at the moment are around attracting uh, dental uh, services, dentists and uh, general practitioners. Um, but we don't let that get in the way of delivering great services. We pivot, we bend, we flex, we innovate and we find ways to meet the needs of the population. So for Sunraysia Community Health, uh, we use some locum dentists at the moment, but we're using using very talented uh, and very experienced nurse practitioners to help bridge some of the gap around, uh, around the GP recruitment uh, within our locality. I know that community health practitioners and leaders from all around Australia got together late last year. What was... I guess topical. I mean, do you all have similar issues that you're facing? And I'm wondering whether one of them is how do you get the community to understand what community health is? Yeah, um, look, there, there are, there are, uh, I guess, uh, uh, similarities in the experiences that we have around workforce. But the issue around the community understanding what community health is is a, is a good question. And really, um, it's not just restricted to rural and regional areas. That understanding of community health, uh, I guess, affects or ha- has the opportunity to impact uh, and to, to service the broader population, including metro areas. So community health services take a multidisciplinary approach to address uh, these health challenges through health education, through disease prevention, health promotion and the provision of healthcare services tailored to the community needs. And community health services really listen to the voice and work collaboratively with other healthcare communities, the voice of the community and other organisations. Um, and that's really essential in terms of uh, developing and delivering effective health promotion and prevention efforts within communities. 
So I'll ask you both, but maybe to you first, Mandy, if you could knock on the government door, which I know you've been trying to do, knock on the government's door and say, here, give us some, some more money. We've got so much more we want to do and can do. What would you put that money towards first? What are you busting to go out and do that would make a difference? Oh, so many things. <laughs> uh, I I think uh, we've got so much to offer, and if and we often say, if you could just invest a little bit more of the health budget into health prevention, uh, the difference we would make would be phenomenal, like absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we do have a couple of uh, ready projects that we think would be make a, a huge difference and you know you were talking before about you know this sort of impact we have we feel like we make a huge impact whenever there is an emergency like COVID or with a flood or and, and you know whatever's happening in our community we respond um, so we can make a difference because we listen to our community and we are guided by them um, but the two programs we've got at the moment that we're really keen on um, receiving some support around is CPAC Clinic which Darren can talk much more better about than me. <laughs> Good English there. Um, and um, and also the Community Resilience and Recovery Program, which um, we're going to talk about with um, Anne-Marie and Greg a bit later, hopefully. Um, so these two programs are really grassroots, you know, working with community and really building capacity in some of our most disadvantaged communities. So I might pass over to Darren to talk about CPAC Clinic. Yeah, well, CPAC Clinic is a, a pilot program that Sunraysia Community Health have recently trialled and, and undertaken an evaluation um, around that, that uh, pilot service in collaboration with La Trobe University. So the CPAC Clinic program is a community paramedic model uh, that has really sought to, to innovate and, and create a new model of healthcare delivery to address the multiple challenges facing our healthcare system. And one of those emerging, uh, I guess, for the, the emerging community health, mm. um, community paramedic model um, has really delivered some key impacts uh, within our community and the results of our trial have been quite impressive. We've found that over a 10-month trial period, this program uh, grew from one clinic to eight um, Eight, uh, five clinics and from eight people attending to 111 people attending that clinic. 57% of those participants were aged over 65 and 78% had three or more chronic diseases. Mm. 94% had a moderate to high risk of diabetes and 36% had no GP. That's a big issue in rural and regional areas where access to GPs is really, really difficult given the skill shortage within our region. You are on the Conversation Hour. My name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host this morning, Bronwyn O'Shea, joining you from ABC Wodonga. On the ABC Listen app, your smart speaker and on AM radio. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Good morning, Rochelle Hunt and Bronwyn O'Shea with you as we look at community health. 50 years since it was introduced by the Whitlam government, a community health response for their community. And when we look at what the state of Victoria has been through, not only just over the last week, but uh, over the last 12 months, over the last 24 months, we've had everything from storms, from fires, from floods, power outages. We still have people living without power now. We have all sorts of issues that that community is facing. So what role does community health play? Mandy Hutchinson, the CEO of Bendigo Community Health, is with us in our Bendigo studios. And Darren Midgley, the CEO of Sunraysia Community Health, is with us in our Mildura studios. We just started to touch on what a community paramedic 
looks like, Darren. When we speak about first responders, when we speak about people rocking up to emergency because there's nowhere else to go because they don't have access to a GP, what would a community paramedic look like? Well, this is kind of a community paramedic's kind of a new role uh, in Australia. It's it's a model that has been trialled successfully in in Canada, uh, and it's a new model that we have just com- completed a, a, a trial here in Mildura in Sanrasia, uh involving uh, a community paramedic. So, a community paramedic is a paramedic uh, uh, from in our case from Ambulance Victoria, um, who works in the community and whose role is really about undertaking assessments and connecting uh, people who have a need with with different services to support them and, and to monitor and manage their their uh, their chronic health conditions so it's not an acute service it is really dealing with those profound chronic health issues and and connecting mm. those people who have these profound uh, and and complex health needs into the into various services to support them Peter has called in from Mandora. Hi, Peter. Hi, yes. Good morning. Um, I want to broaden it, broaden out the discussion a little bit or make a point in that um, uh, certainly with um, the, the advent of NDIS, um, uh, there are a number of um, uh, community health centres that have actually amalgamated and actually taken... The, the word community out of uh, their name um, and don't respond to community needs but in fact have um, taken the option of LCD lowest common denominator uh, and reducing services um, uh, in the interest of getting as much NDIS funding as possible. So, Peter, what you're saying is that was a community health practitioner and now it's not? Mm. Well, um, <laughs> it, it's it's a conglomerate in the, the the northern suburbs of Melbourne now, um, GPV Health that that has removed community from its name and also from its uh, model of service delivery. And so, what, so, what um, difference are you seeing, Peter? Then, what's missing that that used to be there that you're not seeing there anymore? That's important. Uh, to you? Res- um, adequate responses to community needs. Um, a lowering of service delivery, um, a, a reduction in the qualification of staff um, in the interest of, of driving the dollar. And, um, you know, it's really sad because because I, I, th- I think the very fact that it's, it's removed the word community mm. from its brain really, really is indicative of... the heart of it. Of I want to actually... Mandy, have you noticed anything like this before? We know that the NDIS is riddled with problems and issues and it's something that is constantly under the microscope. Have you seen community health be affected in any way as a result of people not doing the right thing that is somehow connected to the NDIS and being a service provider? Uh, I think uh, so. At Northern District Community Health, we've just stepped into that space um, in a in a big way. So we've just uh, recently taken over um, the the community care services that were being delivered by the council up in Ganawara. Uh, so we've kind of gone the opposite way, um, and we're we're in a 
you know, with big feet. And at Bendigo Community Health, we support um, people um, on the NDIS, but we also actually, because I've been going around having conversations with all the team members at Bendigo Community Health and some of the feedback I've been receiving is that we've become a bit of a holding um, place for people with complex needs, um, like um, people who need services from the NDIS just because it is so difficult to navigate. Um, So our family services, for example, and our mental health teams are doing a great job at sort of keeping people um, on track and getting the appointments they need to get the evidence they need to get onto some of these services. Um, And so they're dealing, you know, one of the big messages I've been hearing from from the staff um, across Bendigo Community Health is the complexity of the work that's happening at the moment um, and how difficult it is to access um, some of the supports people need. Before we cross to the Grampians, who they would be accessing as much help as they can get at the moment, given what some of their communities have been through with bushfires and also with storms. Questions are coming in, and I'm not sure who's best to answer this, either Mandy or Darren, around dental and what role dental health plays. We know that access to dental is out of reach for a lot of people now. Mm-hmm. If you're on the public system, the wait list can be years. But the, I mean, the average checkup is almost unaffordable for people, and we know that there are vans that go out through the state government into some schools but what role does community health have when it comes to dental? I think probably if I chip in and and respond to that question uh, better oral health is really really important and and good oral health is a, a major predictor for future uh, health outcomes for people so dealing with oral health issues, dealing with dental issues early in the piece, that upstream investment, dealing with it early before uh, the dental issues can uh, become more significant health issues for people, um, it, it, it creates a better population health outcome, it creates better outcomes for people. But does that mean you need more dentists like in regional Vic? Like is it still seeing the dentist or is it a step before that? It's both. Um, you know, there is dental hygienist requirements for, for cleaning, uh, for assessing oral hygiene and, and, and mouths, but uh, also dentists. And dentists are really hard to recruit into rural areas. They are harder, again, to, accru- to recruit into community health. So, um, and, and one example, uh, at St. Raja Community Health, we have a vacant dental role at the moment we're struggling to recruit to. We've partnered with La Trobe University to make that an associate professor role and make it a dual uh, clinician and academic role to try and encourage mm. uh, and innovate and encourage um, dentists to come into the community health space uh, in our r- rural location in the beautiful area of Jura. <laughs> well, we often think about a shortage of GPs. I mean, that's interesting. So you're sort of trying to see it as both an academic role and also a practitioner role. Is that something that's been tried before? Like, is that been successful in regional or rural parts of Australia? I'm not aware of it being trialled anywhere else. I think this is a good example of community health innovating and partnering with, with stakeholders to try and find solutions to very complex problems. On the ABC Listen app, your smart speaker and on AM radio. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Rochelle Hunt and Bronwyn O'Shea here with you today and we're talking about the role of community health which really comes down to a focus on health rather than illness and community health services right across Victoria say they would love to be doing more and they could have a real impact on our already stretched health services 
but they need more money and they need more support from government. If you'd like to join the chat, we'd love to hear from you. Kalyani has done exactly that, calling in from Sydenham. Hi, Kalyani. Hi. I was just wondering what is being done in community health programs at the moment for exercise groups for older adults is, um, for falls prevention. Great point. Yeah. yeah. Exercise groups and health prevention, and again, when you look at access to, I mean, I was listening to something the other day in terms of what the average person is going to need to retire. And on the absolute bare minimum, that does not include being able to pay for anything like exercise. So the role of community health, I could imagine, Mandy, and exercise groups, not only is it good for social inclusion, but it's good for health prevention. Absolutely, it is. And it's so funny that um, you asked that, um, Kellyani, because um, this morning as I was walking into work, I, I was talking to somebody um, who worked across the hallway and she was saying that she'd been attending our exercise class in, in White Hills and the difference it had made to her life has been quite phenomenal. She says, I feel fitter, I feel more alive, I can lift things. Um, so, yes, community health do offer a range of uh, strength-based programs right across rural and regional Victoria. Um, and indeed Metro um, Melbourne as well. So um, this is these are programs that make a, a big difference to confidence and um, stop people from, fo- hopefully, prevent mm-hmm. people from falling. It's, it's really not all Zumba, Zumba, is it? <laughs> no, it's not all Zumba. <laughs> no, I was going Zumba. to say, is it free or is it low cost? How, what's the It's the pretty low cost from our point of view. Um, I don't think there's much cost at all. I can't tell you exactly how much it is, um, but it's it's very minimal. Um, it'd be under $10, I'd say. Um, so, yeah, all free. Kalyani, thanks so much for your question. Let's bring into the conversation Greg Little, who's the CEO at Grampians Community Health. Welcome, Greg. Good morning. How are you? Great. And I'm sure you've got a big list of things Mm. that your community needs right now. How are you supporting the people who live across your district at the moment? It's been um, quite hectic, to be honest. We, um, I don't think people and, you know, the Pomonal community, we've tried to probably minimise how much um, there has been as far as media and that goes to probably to a little bit of the detriment of the community because I don't think people understand um, the devastation that's there. You've got a community of 350 people, so that means, you know, 100 houses or so and 44 of those houses are just flattened and it's quite devastating for people that have lost their properties but also it's such a close, tight-knit community that... um, that even if they haven't lost their houses, they're either supporting others or feeling guilty for the other people. Mm. And it's a very traumatic time. So we've had um, mental health counsellors and social workers in the field every day. When the Relief Centre opened, it actually opened in our venue in um, at Grampians Community Health in store. We had 215 people register and we had staff on site 24 hours a day providing that immediate um, psychological first aid, just being a, a friendly year. Um, we had nurses on staff as well, um, on site as well, that were, you know, people were fleeing their homes without their medication, without prescriptions, without um, a doctor's appointment, without some of their basic medical needs that they, you know, dress, wound dressing and that sort of thing. So we had nurses on site as well here to be able to, you know, fast track that for people. Um, it's been nearly a week now. Um, and yeah, it's just been quite intense. And at the same time, it's still trying to run business as usual for everyone else that needs our services as well. So um, quite intense, um, quite traumatic for, for the community, but also for our staff. 
Um, knowing we're not actually the lead agency in this, that so there is a lot of state government agencies and local governments. Yeah. And, yeah does, is that frustrating? Um, look, it is and it isn't. I mean, everyone's got a role to play in this and there's no empire building. I'm not saying you know, we're the best people in the world to do it. There's other people that are, are fantastic. But I think community health is well-placed because we're local mm. and we know our community and we're on the ground working with people all the time anyway. So You have those relationships, very, don't you? We, yeah. we do. And, you know, I had um, two staff lose their house in the fires. Um, yeah. oh, sorry, two different staff. Um, so they're actually parts and members of the community as well. And that's, you know, Grampians Community Health, we've got a, a podcast where we say community is our middle name and we really live by that mantra that we are um, so part how, of it. how does that then impact you, Greg Little, as the CEO of the Grampians Community Health? When you say now, given what your community of Pomonal in particular has been through, like I was likening it although you didn't have the deaths but to marysville you know when you've you've almost in terms of houses you've you've lost half of them like the impact how it would look how it would smell how everything about that town would be so traumatic at the moment and to not be the lead agency on the recovery process on the immediate aftermath of this how does that then change the outcomes, how does it change how long you've got funding and extra support that is needed when it's not coming from the inside out, it's coming from the outside in? Yeah, and again, you know, we have provided this support um, for the community without any additional funding. It's been what we do because we do it. And I know we've got our local member of parliament, Emma Keeley, and the CEO of Ararat Rural City Council, Dr Tim Harrison, are both advocating, saying, You've got to look after GCH in this because without them, the community's um, going to be impacted. The trauma is going to last longer. Mm. So we are really strong at advocating and we're ready to, to go. I mean, every person in my team is saying, can I go out? Can I help? Um, but, um, you know, there's a finite line where I say, okay, well, we have to do the things that we have to do, like community meetings and supporting the assessors and and but we may not be able to have staff on the ground. We've had four staff on the ground out at Pomonal and Dadsville's Bridge. I can't forget that community out there either. Um, we've had staff there um, right up since the fire started. But at some stage, we've got to look at where our business as usual has to go. But we are well placed. We're, and is it frustrating? Yes, it is. Um, we should be considered part of the emergency response. 100%. Um, as much as the the local government to go out and assess and the relief centre people. And the reality is, Greg, that it's you and your team who will be there in the long term. Yeah, that's right. Isn't it? Because because when the funding and the immediate response finishes and all of those resources go back to wherever they've come from, you're the ones that are there dealing with those, you know, five years, ten years down the track impacts. And, and what are the impacts on too? We, we um, run a very strong mental health counselling um program we've got journalist councils we've got youth councils and we've got alcohol and drug programs and family violence programs we know um through experience that after a natural disaster like this all those areas become priorities and they all go up so whether it's us continuing to work now with people and probably trying to prevent some of those impacts um or the long term we're going to be working with people one way or the other and it's much better to be proactive and work now than to see the impacts two years down the track. And if you look at the experience of Gippsland with their bushfires, well, we're three or four years down the track and there's still a long way from being recovered. 
So, Greg, what would, and I know there's no such thing as perfect, but what would the perfect response look like? How would it be funded? You know, if, if you could say, right, let's rewind and let's do this the very best that we can and be involved in the very best way we can be, what would that be like? Okay, so um, the Alliance of Regional and Rural Community Health have an innovative model called um, Community Relief and Recovery, and it's being worked in um, North East and South East Victoria in um, Northern District Community Health. They've um, had a program where they've had case managers based within community health, working with people prior to an event. So, you know, establishing that um, connection with community, working with them about what happens if a disaster happens, but then being ready to roll on the ground when it actually um, goes bad and one of the benefits of it is that if we've got and I think we're talking about four staff in each of the 11 regional and rural community health services it um, doesn't sound like a lot but if um, we have an incident like we have recently last week um, Mandy at Bendigo and Darren at Mildura could release their staff if they're available to support us so we'd have eight staff on uh, 12 staff on the ground so that's the sort of connection that'd be the yeah. ideal model that we're working as part of the the um, resilience building with people establishing the connections with communities right across our catchment and you know we cover from Beaufort through to the South Australia border, so we're quite a, a large area, but we could do that work and then when um, a disaster happens, we've actually got the people that are trained and ready to go and, and embedded within the communities. Greg, we wish you and your entire community are nothing but the very best, so thanks so much for speaking with us. You're very welcome, thank you. Greg Little, the CEO of the Grampians Community Health. Mandy Hutchinson, the CEO of Bendigo Community Health. Can I put this back to you? I mean, what Greg was talking about there in times of disaster and when we look what Pomonal is currently living through and what it will look like for them for years to come. Is that where community health services can come together and really shine and flourish and help each other? Absolutely. Um, you know, this is, we think this is a great opportunity. And as Greg from Grampians was saying, um, you know, Gateway Community Health over in Albury, Wodonga, um, and Gippsland Lakes Community Health have demonstrated this model um, and the benefits of it. You know, we're trusted in the community, we're a place people feel safe. Um, when they come to our community. These are really important elements when you are dealing with people who have gone through so much. Uh, and um, then you help them build the resilience between. You know, I think it's just such a win-win situation, this model, you know, where we really build the capacity of um, staff in our centres, like in the floods in Kerrang um, recently, we had staff who just couldn't come. You know, they said, we can't go through this again. Um, and we just need to invest in our people and in our communities so that when these events happen, and we know they're happening, climate change is happening, and more frequently, we have a skilled, uh, agile staff who can respond with that trusted relationship to support the community through some of the toughest events of their lives. Are people throwing their hand up to work in the sector and are younger people as well? Because that's what keeps people staying in rural and regional communities. Are, are people frustrated with the sector? Are they passionate? Are they excited? How does, if you had to take a pulse at the moment, how does it feel? 
Oh, look, I think people who work in community health are pretty amazing. They've got all the values of community health, you know, that real look at um, the social determinants of health, you know, really strongly looking at the whole person and the whole community. Um, they're people who are passionate about equity and um, values like respect and inclusion you know so we've got amazing young people coming through and we've also got the stewards of community health and they're both you know in the organizations I've worked with there's the stewards who've been around forever who teach the next generation what it means to work with not uh, with community um, and demand that um, we have a place-based approach to the way we deliver services um, they are so they yeah, the young people coming through are extraordinary. They're talented. Like, we've got a business analyst working at Bendigo Community <laughs> Health. Like, he is so cool. Um, and, you know, we just have some extraordinary young people who are bringing such a wonderful new lens um, to the work that we do. Um, and it's passionate and, uh, yeah, committed. We are looking at what it might look like if we redesigned Victoria's health system and put more power, more funding in the hands of our community health services so they could do even more community-led custom health care where you live. This is The Conversation Hour. On the ABC Listen app, your smart speaker and on AM radio. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Well, we're looking at community health and what would happen if we gave them the recognition and the funding that they wanted and deserved. What impact would it have on our broader health sector? Darren Midgley is with you, the CEO of Sunraysia Community Health in Mildura. Mandy Hutchinson, the CEO of Bendigo Community Health, is with you as well from our Bendigo studios. Let's now go all the way to beautiful Gippsland, to Gippsland Lakes. Anne-Marie Cassa is the CEO of the Gippsland Lakes Complete Health. When we were talking before with the Grampians, uh, there was a mention, of course, and rightly so, of the area of Gippsland, which we know is a really large area, but Gippie's been hit in so many different ways from so many different things, Anne-Marie. The importance of community health to be there in the short term and the long term, I guess, can't be underestimated. No, thanks, Rochelle. Uh, you're absolutely right. I think, like many of my colleagues across rural and regional Victoria, the Gippsland communities have have moved from one um, significant event to the to the next. It seems over the last few years. You know, we had drought, then we had significant fires, we've had uh, flood, storm events, uh, and of course, throw the pandemic in. And sometimes uh, just mix. in the one week you have like yeah, one or exactly. more of those events. It's yeah. crazy. I haven't mentioned earthquake yet, but uh, yeah. and we're also bracing for pestilence. But, you know, country people are incredibly um, uh, resilient and, and work well together to get through these, um, through these events. But they are happening uh, more and more frequently. And all the forecasting tells us that uh, we can expect more and more severe events. Um, and being able to rely on uh, a, a local provider, an organisation that's embedded, that you know we, where people have um, known and trusted, has we've found to be really critical in in supporting people and communities to to recover. And Marie, we probably immediately think of mental health support and even mm. you know drug and alcohol counselling to support people who are who are struggling post disaster in that recovery period. But what's what are some of the other perhaps less obvious things that community health does to support communities in that that recovery phase? Well, of course, health needs continue throughout whatever event uh, and post whatever event the community is experiencing. So, 
the others have mentioned you know a lot of what community health does in fact we we touch pretty much every life age and stage from um, pre-pregnancy uh, right through to palliative care and everything in between so um, community health is able to connect people with those um, with those services after a disaster um, it can be really challenging to, um, to <coughs> to address those life needs and to uh, to make plans and uh, and uh, work through the immediate um, impact of the you know the, whether it's a bushfire or, or flood um, so having uh, trusted um, partners in community health mm. helping navigate uh, all of that is um, is crucial there's a message here for Lisa and if you ever needed any kind of reassurance about why it's important to have a community response and a localised response to a community disaster. We were just speaking to the Grampians Community Health before and Lisa says Grampians Community Health staff are gold. I lost my house on Tuesday. They've wrapped around us so beautifully. They respect and understand the community so beautifully. Communities need governments but they need and they know themselves best and that's from Lisa. Lisa, we wish you and your friends and family nothing but the best you mentioned Anne-Marie resilience and that's a word that gets used a lot is there almost does the external community almost rely on that resilience like oh well country people are resilient that's okay they'll bounce back from this like is there almost like a well it's okay because they're resilient does it does it get used almost too flippantly in a way and can it come as, as a cost to the community? I'm not sure about that, um, Rochelle. I think people, you know, pride themselves on being able to, um, uh, you know, work through and support each other in events like these and remembering that, you know, for Gippsland Lakes Complete Health, we have um, more than 500 staff. They they are in and of community Um and you know, incredibly capable people. Mm. Are you are you getting more funding year on year, or are you mm. receiving less funding? Where do you sit financially at the moment? Um, in terms of uh, resilience and recovery work, or overall in in community health broadly, I know you'd love mm. more money, and, and most I guess as you <laughs> do more would. and more, like as the funding get more stretched. That's, that's right, yeah. Because I'm very conscious that you know, as we see more extreme, particularly extreme weather events, and we see a, mm. a greater reliance on those um, recovery you know needs as well mm. um you're still doing business as usual if, as you've mm-hmm. pointed out and, and others so are you, is your funding increasing year on year to be able to accommodate those extra um asks upon your staff and your services um look we've had a reasonably good relationship i'd say with uh emergency recovery victoria who who provide the funding that we have uh to support people um throughout these events and post events we still have for example, about 90 people that we're currently case managing who were impacted by the fires in, in um, a, a couple of years ago. Um, somebody mentioned earlier that we've got a number of people still in sort of short-term modular mm. housing. So, you know, the, the work continues with, with people. Um, the issue that we have currently is that the funding isn't secure. All of our funding, even for the most recent uh, flood events and the storm events, um, is due to expire on the 30th of June. And what that means is um, our, you know, really skilled and trauma-informed staff um, 
uh, don't have security of tenure. And uh, if we lose those people, we need to then go back to scratch in the event of uh, another disaster. And that prevents people from wanting to get into the sector as well, because it's like, well, how secure is this work? Am I better off not going to work in a hospital or something where I have a a long-term contract? Anne-Marie, thank you so much for the work that you do. Um, Yeah, we we really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Anne-Marie Kassel, the CEO of Gippsland Lakes Complete Health. Darren Midgley is the CEO of Sunraysia Community Health. Previously, you were in the aged care sector. I want to put this text to you. It says, this conversation makes me so sad and disappointed. Community health is vital and so important that the person is centred and place-based. We know that this is important, yet the Commonwealth is privatising everything, including aged care and taking away place-based person-centred care and centralising systems aged care assessment used to be community health driven with the whole person considered now it's all centralized it's impersonal and the community health qualified and passionate assessors will be lost from the system you've got your feet firmly planted in sort of both of those worlds is that just a prime example of where the community is taken out of something where it should be involved in, in short yes I, I guess um, that's one of the, the critical issues isn't it like Delivering complex care uh, within communities c- comes at a cost. It, it's a burden that society has to has to wear. Um, we have to invest in that. Um, and I guess you know, it, it, all organisations, be they government or, or businesses, look for for the efficiencies and, and the the most cost effective way of doing things. That doesn't always mean that it's the the best way of doing things, or doesn't mean that it translates to outcomes. And you know that that place based care is just so important. And, and for community health services, that's how we operate. So place based care is about delivering services and initiatives tailored to the needs and characteristics of a geographical area or community. It recognises the unique challenges of communities and which they face and it actively engages with these communities and the people so that we can better address the challenges um, of, of care provision. So, you know, aged care, community health, um, that 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 voice of the consumer, of, of the client, of the people is just so important in understanding what their care needs are and in developing responses to address those care needs for, for I guess, to produce those better health outcomes for people down the track. I know that there is a campaign, a Community Health First campaign, which brings together, I think it's about 24 of the independent <coughs> community health services right across Victoria. Mandy, what are you campaigning for what's on your wish list for the future for community health in victoria yeah that's a it's a great campaign um and it's yeah as you said all 24 registered community health um services working together to prioritize what we need for our community and the couple of the programs we've talked about today the cpac clinic and uh the community resilience and recovery program are, are two of the things that are top of our list at the moment but you know we've just got so many things we could be doing to make a difference um, in our community. We've been talking recently about the first 2,000 
thousand days of life, you know, how we could make a really big difference um, if we had some investment that we could put into that space and possibly save the NDIS money, et cetera, those sorts of things we've been talking about. Uh, and in fact, I just got a text while I was sitting here about um, from, from someone who um, in Kerrang saying, you know, we need more around sexual reproductive health. Well, yeah. you know, in Bendigo, we do, we're like, a, we're going to be the Centre for Excellence for um, Centre for, um, you know, around sexual and reproductive health. We're about to launch an endometriitis clinic. We're so excited about it. You know, there's some things we can do together as community health too, and that's the benefit of Community Health First and the Alliance of Rural and Regional Community Health because, you know, we can help each other around these um, these issues that we find where we have expertise in some of our areas that we can share across our community health settings. You know, we really are a solution um, about changing the dynamics around people mm. going to hospitals and keeping them at home where people frankly want to be. Mandy Hutchinson, the CEO of Bendigo Community Health, thank you so much for your time today. And Darren Midgley, the CEO of Sunraysia Community Health in Mildura, thank you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Let's end with this text here. It's from Joe. It says, I worked in community health in the 80s. A great team of people, nurses, phys- um physicists, social workers, psychologists. We worked in tandem with GPs, local hospitals, schools, district nurses, council services. We ran so many different programs from rehabilitation groups, people who are isolated, daycare centre for dementia people, education programs in schools, you name it. Great people. I loved my work. I left when the health department began to focus on paperwork more than the service. And that's from Joe. Don't forget the Conversation Hour is also a podcast We've done programs that sort of touch on a lot of this from when we talk about sexual health. We've done programs on sexual health. We've done programs on youth workers and social workers. So subscribe, download the Conversation Hour podcast, go to the ABC Listen app every day. We do a different topic in depth for an hour. So no matter what you're into, pretty much there'll be a Conversation Hour topic on it. So don't forget to subscribe to the Conversation Hour podcast. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Till then, take care.